Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We have a guest speaker with us, and we hope that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. A friend of Generations Church who is with us this morning, Rod Whitlock, uh, he and I, uh, well over a decade of doing ministry in various uh, positions, uh, 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 ministry positions. Rod is currently with Compact. That is our Assemblies of God, uh, family services, adoption care, foster care, orphan care, that kind of thing. Rod is currently working uh, with them. You'll hear some about that ministry this morning, and he's got a way that you can kind of kind of help this morning. But uh, Rod has done camps for me. He's been here a couple of times. He's a great, uh, great friend. But Rod has a unique uh, life story when it comes to uh, Father's Day. So I just want you to uh, hear him and uh, you'll be blessed by his ministry. Would you make welcome to Generations Church, Rod Whitlock. Thank you so much. It is a joy to be here. We, uh, we live in uh, Missouri, so we flew in yesterday, got to spend the day with uh, Pastor Brian. As, as he'd mentioned, we've been friends for a long time, and I love their family, and uh, just they're, they're just dear friends. And I love being here in Florida with you guys today. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's smiling and chipper. Everybody online is smiling right now. Anyway, um, I do have four kids and one wife, and I... Um, uh, just want to make sure I was in the right room. I, uh, we also have eight grandkids. Is that cool? Yeah, I know you're looking at me going, you look way too young to be a grandpa. Okay, three of you. Uh, the rest of you are like, no, dude, you look pretty old. Um, but anyway, it is a joy. And uh, so happy Father's Day to all the dads. Uh, I love being a dad, and I know that, uh, that today's a special day. We honor dads, but this morning I also want to not just honor dads, but I really want to challenge us as men, and not just the dads, but all of us, as you'll see in a couple moments. Uh, and in light and in honor of Dad's Day, how about a dad joke? Anybody like dad jokes? Yeah? All right. Yeah. Yeah. One person. Yeah. Dad jokes. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. Um, so here, here's your dad joke. It goes like this. Why do they call chicken coops? Uh, uh, why do chicken coops only have two doors? Because if they had four doors, they'd be chicken sedans. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Some of you are like looking at each other. What does that mean? I don't even know what that means. Uh, my, I told this one in the first service, it's, uh, I made a pencil with two erasers. It was pointless. Anyway, so um, there's your dad jokes. You can hashtag dad jokes and put those on social media today and say that they were yours. So anyway, um, also, also, I just want to mention, I get a chance to talk to pastors all over the U.S. during this time has been, as you know, as we all know, it's been kind of crazy. And uh, I, uh, just, I, I just want to take a moment because one of the things that I hear from pastors across the country, and I hear the same thing, is I am busier now doing things than I've ever been because of all the extra stuff that's going on and all the planning and not knowing the future and all that kind of thing. And, and I just, I think it'd be appropriate for us to take a moment and honor Pastor Brian and his team for doing a great job in making sure that we're all safe, making sure that we're all taken care of. So thank you, team, for the work that you're doing. 
Uh, this is, these are unprecedented times. I know we hear the same words over and over again and, and on that, but these are just some crazy times and uh, just thankful for pastors that lead us and, and help us in these, in these moments. So June of 1961, there was a couple named George and Helen. They were dating. And uh, George and Helen had two friends who didn't know each other. They had a guy friend, and then they had a girlfriend over here, but these two didn't know each other. And so George and Helen thought, you know, these guys would be great to kind of get together on a blind date. And so the four of them went out together one night in California. And before the night started, this guy here said to George, I'll make you a $5 bet that I can have sex with the woman you set me up with before the night's over. And so before the night was over... That guy won the $5 bet, and nine months later, I was born. And you are looking at the results of a one-night stand $5 bet. My 19-year-old mom at that point told this guy that she was now pregnant, and so he left, not wanting anything to do with a teenage girl who was pregnant. And then a little while later, my mom got married and had my brother, and then they got divorced. And then a little while later, my mom was married again, had my two sisters, and then they got divorced. And then a little while later, my mom got married again. And so growing up, I've had four fathers. You know all the verses in the Bible talk about your forefathers? I know exactly what those verses mean. Yeah. My name changed from Mel to Simpson to Dugan to Whitlock and... Uh, and through, throughout the process. My first dad abandoned when uh, I was not yet born even. My second dad was an undercover narcotics agent, so he would work his way into gangs and find out who was selling drugs, and then he'd share that with information. And somebody in one of the gangs found out about it, and one day he went out and started his car, blew up, killed him instantly. My third dad, I'd come home from school, and he would be uh, there in the living room uh, abusing my mom, hitting her and slapping her and yelling and uh, all of that. And my mom, in between punches, would say, go to the neighbor's house until he's done. My fourth dad, uh, I walked in. Uh, we lived in Phoenix, Arizona at the time, and I walked in. It was a hot day. I was going into my bedroom on the left at the end of the hall. I turned, and just as I turned, something caught my attention out of my right eye. I looked over there, and there was my dad... Uh, with the neighbor lady from across the street in their bedroom. And so growing up, I've seen a dad who abandoned me. I've seen a dad who was assassinated. I've seen a dad who was alcoholic abusive. I've seen a dad who committed adultery right in our home. And sometimes people will look at me and they'll say, how can you trust God as a father when you experience all of that with your earthly fathers? And I say, well, for me, the answer is pretty easy because number one, God has never abandoned me. He is not abusive in any way. He is alive today, and He's always been faithful to me. And that's the Father in heaven. That's the Father in heaven that, that we serve. And that's the kind of dad, if you will, that I have, uh, that He just in His grace welcomed me into His family. And as you can imagine, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I, I mean, we didn't even go to church on Easter. I mean, and, and then the dysfunction and all of the stuff that happened in, the, in that process, you, you can imagine how that's affected my life and, and how it's... But, but at the same time, I'm also thankful for a Father in Heaven who 
redeems our past. He doesn't just redeem us for heaven and eternity, but He took that past, and today I work with the most vulnerable of children in a ministry called Compact Family Services that deals with kids in very abusive situations and very traumatized kids, and girls who are pregnant have no place else to go, need some place to go, and then have the opportunity, number one, to keep their baby because they want to keep their baby, but they're not sure if they either want to keep it permanently or if they want to place it for adoption. And so either way, we help them either become a better mom or we help them find a loving couple for their baby. And as a result of that, God took the past of all of that ugliness in my life and has positioned me now to be able to speak out. And I just want to say, not just to all the dads for this moment, to put to all of us, that God will take whatever our paths are, the ugliness of that situation or whatever, and redeem it for His purposes if we'll just yield ourselves to Him. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus right now. Because you know, life's too short to just kind of go through and just kind of get up and eat and go to work and then come home and eat and go to bed. There's purpose behind our lives. And, and so today we talked to everybody, but I really want to hone into the men for just the next short couple minutes here because I really believe as we honor dads, there's also a challenge that goes with that. You know, Compact Family Services is your, is your Assemblies of God National Child Welfare uh, Agency. And we're not just an advocacy group. We just don't come and sound the horn saying, hey, we need more foster care parents. That's part of what we do. But we do everything that is, is possible to make sure that we're caring for and nurturing uh, the people. We have a 52-acre campus. There's a picture here, uh, overhead shot, 52-acre campus, 22 buildings on the campus, a staff that is trained and equipped to take care of. And let me just say this. These are the kids that are so traumatized, they're not, they can't even go into a foster home with a family. Because they're, they're just, there's so much that's there. And we were just awarded, just Friday, just two days ago, we were just awarded a contract by the state to be the only home in the state of Arkansas that is um, uh, allowed to, if you will, equipped to take care of developmentally challenged kids. These are the kids that are in foster care with autism and other th- issues like that that have a long, long road ahead of them. We're the only place, and this is your Assemblies of God home, national home, fully accredited in every way. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of Compact Family Services because you support us financially as a missions operation. And I want to say thank you because every dollar that you give goes to really help make sure that someone is taking care of the least of these in these situations. And so we have babies we have babies up to teenagers, and, um, and so thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, as I mentioned, we do everything that we can in the situation. Look at this next slide. Uh, everything from prevention to permanency. What does that mean? That means that if a family is close to losing their kids to foster care because of situations at home, we go in with safe care ministries there, and we help them to, to, to not lose their kids. So we do everything we can to turn the family around so that they don't even lose their kids in the first place. And then we have something you'll see, Fine Kinship Navigator. What that is is that we actually go out, and if a kid is in foster care, rather than placing them in a home with 
strangers, we find relatives or very close family friends that would be willing to take them in in a foster care situation so that the child at least knows where they're going. So we're doing everything we can to prevent kids from even going into foster care. But on the other end of the spectrum, we provide adoption services as well for kids in foster care or uh, kids that uh, girls that are teen, teenage age that are looking to uh, give their baby for adoption because they just realize they just can't take care of them adequately. And so thank you again because what you're doing is really making a huge, huge difference in so many different ways. And in other, way, in other words, here's what we do. We're, we're building a fence at the top of the mountain rather than putting an ambulance at the bottom. We're doing everything we can to prevent the kids from falling into so many different things. Let me, let me kind of give you an idea of what this looks like. On any given day in America, over about 450,000 kids are in the foster care system on any given day. Let me give you some stats here to kind of help you what the ambulance at the bottom looks like. Look at this first one. It says sex trafficking. 60% of victims that are in sex trafficking were at one point in the foster care system. Let me give you this one here. It says this. Prison. 80% of those that are in prison were at one point in the foster care system. Those who were arrested or spent overnight in a correctional facility, 50% of foster care kids by the time they're age 17 will have been arrested or spent the night in a, in a facility. 85% of foster care girls are pregnant within two years of leaving the foster care system. Which means that the cycle just continues because now they have a baby that they're not able to take care of and then they, and they were trained or, or experienced abuse or trauma and now they do the same thing and then that child ends up and it just continues the cycle over and over again. One of the metrics uh, that, that the prison system uses for the number of beds that they'll need in prison 20 years from now is how many children in foster care age 7 or younger today. That's how they determine how many beds 20 years from now. Only 4% of foster care children will ever attend college. And then within 18 months of emancipation, 40 to 50% of foster care youth become homeless. In other words, after they've left the system, after they've come out of foster care, sex trafficking, prison, all of these different issues, all these ambulance issues, which are great ministries to have, and, and many of you support these ministries, but here's my question. What if we built a fence at the top and said, you know what, what if we were able to kind of take these kids that are in the foster care system and really do something with them? Because on the campus that we're at and with the foster care parents that we train and equip and the churches we work with to train and equip how to take care of foster care, uh, how to be a foster care type church, these parents are not just helping provide clothing and food, but they're giving them Jesus in the midst of that. And we're changing the culture and the backgrounds and all that. And we're finding redemption in these kids. And as a result of that, we break the cycle. And so less kids are in sex trafficking. Less kids are in the prison systems. Less kids are homeless. Less, less babies are being born out of wedlock. And I look at my own life and I realize, God, you took someone who was born out of wedlock, you took someone with multiple dads and abuse and all these different things like that, and you brought him to a place of purpose to be able to do something. And so I know in this place and online right now, we have a bunch of stories. We have a lot of things going on right now. And what if God brought this church together, this church body together to say, you know what? Now's the time to find redemption in this place called Tallahassee. Let's use all of our backgrounds and all of our things to make a real impact upon a community, just like you did this past Wednesday with through Convoy of Hope, where you said, you know what, 
We're the salt and the light, and we're going to be that for our community in some way and somehow. And then this stat here, this one gets me every time. It's over 50% of children go to bed each night without saying goodnight to their biological father. That's here in the United States right now. That's not in some other country. That's right here. And as a result of that, let's go one step further. Not, let's not just put a, a fence up called foster care, but what if we put a fence up that says we're looking for some good dads who would say we're going to break this cycle so kids don't even go into foster care, who don't even go into these other issues of life. And then we're looking for men in the church and in our community who will say, you know what, I will be a spiritual father. I'll be a spiritual parent to someone, to a family, to a, to a teenage boy like myself who needed a male figure in my life. Because I didn't have them. And I love my dads. I called all my dads dad. I loved my dads. But the fact was is that, that in, in essence, they were not good role models for me. And I needed that in my life. And you as a dad, you may be here and you say, I don't even have kids or my kids are young or my kids are grown and gone. And, and uh, you know, my years of being a dad are over. No, 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 no. You're, 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 you're never over that. Because we can, we can parent and we can still help uh, kids who are in need of good male role models in some way and in, in some position. So dads, you make a difference. You make a huge difference in some way. So let's look at this passage of Scripture here out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. I want to just share this with you for the next couple of minutes. So look at it on the screens. It says this. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. So the context is Moses is standing in front of the children of Israel right now, and he's saying, when I was up on the mountain, got the Ten Commandments and a bunch of other things from the Lord, these are the things he told me, I'm now telling you. So that's the context. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy. You're getting ready to go in the promised land. Here's what you need to know when you go in there. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all his decrees and commands, you will enjoy long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands and then on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, every place you go, every place you would look, every place you see, everything you do, it's about teaching our children and our grandchildren the commands of the Lord. So, so the context, again, going back is this. Moses is not just saying, hey, I was up on a mountain and I'm coming down and I'm telling you guys how to live now. He's saying, no, no, no. I'm, I'm telling you how God wants us to live, but you got to do it with your kids and your grandkids. This isn't just for us. This is about the next generation. This is about us pouring into another generation of kids and grandkids so that they know. But I like how God takes this, and look, notice what he does here. He says, because God's not some ego guy. You know what I mean? It's not, I demand that you love me. I, you better love me like this or else. No, he's saying there's benefits if you'll love me like this and if you'll do this. 
In other words, as a good father, he's saying, let me, let me share something with you. Let me share. If you'll do this, this will come your way. Look in verse 2, it says, you'll enjoy long life. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to live to be 120. But what it does mean is, is that while we're here, we're going to enjoy the long life that God's given us. And then in verse 3, it says that it may go well with you. There, that doesn't mean we'll be free from problems, but what it does mean is, is that in the midst of our problems, God will be present with us, and He'll walk with us through those issues. He says, you'll be, a, you'll be in a land with milk, and yes, coconut, almond, and oat milk, all those milks, okay? All of them are there, and you'll be in a land with milk and and organic honey too. I mean, you'll have all of these things that God says, if you'll obey me and if you'll do these things, I'll be with you. I'll be with you in every way. But watch, teach them to your kids and your grandkids. Don't neglect them. One of the things my wife and I do uh, every night before we go to bed is we'll pray together just for a couple of moments. Uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday are my nights. Monday, Wednesday, Friday are her nights. Sunday, we fight over. But I mean, Christian fight. And, um, but, uh, so, and one of the things I pray every night when it's my turn is, Lord, help our kids and our grandkids to love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. I don't want my kids just, and my grandkids just to go through life just going to church. I don't want my kids and grandkids just to go through life just saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower. I want them to love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want them to be, I want them to be captivated by a father who really cares about them. And if we really believe that prayer really works, that God is powerful in the midst of our prayers, then how powerful is that prayer? What if we begin to pray that for our region? What if we begin, God, help Tallahassee to love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help everyone in our church to love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help my family, my grandkids. Help all the kids' ministries. Help all the youth ministries, all of them, to love you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. See, what if we were all praying that? How, how impactful could that, could that be? And then he says this. He says, because then you say, careful to obey all these things. Again, God's not some ego guy up there going, you better obey me. I demand it. What, what he's saying is, listen, I want you to learn how to cultivate a love for me. Isn't that, isn't that gracious as a father? Think about this. I want you to cultivate a love for me. Why? Because there's benefits to it, but let's talk about how to cultivate. Is, let's, let's look at it this way. What if you had a child who um, was learning how to catch for the first time, you're playing catch with them, or maybe playing an instrument, or maybe doing a math problem, something like that. And they messed up. They missed the ball. They missed the note. They subtracted wrong, and now the answer's wrong. As a dad, you wouldn't go, you idiot, don't you or anything? I mean, I can't believe you missed that. You should know that by now. It, it's, hey, you know what? It's all right. It's all right. We all make mistakes. You know what? Let's try it again. Let's try it again. Here, let me throw the ball to you again. You try to catch it this time. Here, play that note again, and yep, let's try it again. And that's what God's saying. He's saying, I want you to love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, I want you to cultivate that kind of love. Oh, you messed up? We all mess up. We're all sinners, right? God knows that. Oh, you messed up? That's all right. Let's keep trying. Let's keep trying. Let's cultivate a love for me. Why? Because there's benefits for you if you'll do that. There's outcomes on the other side of that, if you'll do that. And so, as a father, he does that in our lives. Why? Because he wants to see us in our purpose. He wants to see us succeed in life. He wants to see us be good parents as well to the next generation. But 
To cultivate requires two things, time and presence. Now, hang with me. Time. It requires, in order to cultivate a relationship with God, you've got to spend time with Him, and you've got to be in His presence. And as a dad, in order to cultivate a love with your kids and for your kids and for them, for you and for God, you need to spend time and in their presence. And so the challenge for us as dads today is that we spend time with our kids and we are in their presence and they are in our presence. In other words, think about this. This is why the enemy targets the family so much. And this is why, dads, the enemy targets you. You have a big target on your back, whether you realize it or not. Because he knows that if he can take the dad out of the picture, now we have a whole system that is, that is being destroyed, and our children and, and youth are paying the price for it. So, dad, that's why the enemy is after you. And, and I would just challenge you, one man to one man, to stand up and to, and to, and to fight for your family, fight for your church, fight for your community, and say, you know what, that's no longer going to be allowed in this place, because I am going to stand up for this in so many different ways. In 1 Corinthians, let's look at this for just a moment. I want you to see this verse in 1 Corinthians 4, 15. It says this, even if you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. Now, hang with me. For in Christ Jesus, I, Paul is speaking, became your father through the gospel. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and what he's saying is this. Even though you've got a lot of teachers, everybody's telling you what to do. You don't have many fathers. You don't have many fathers who come alongside you and will nurture and help and equip and encourage and speak life into you. And that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, we don't need another person telling us what to do. We need people to come alongside and spend time and allow us to be in their presence and help. In other words, to all of the men here who don't have any biological kids, you're still a father, or at least I can challenge you to be one because Paul was one. And if you read later in that passage, he says, I even took Timothy, my dear son, in the Lord. Because all we know about Timothy is is that it was primarily his mom and his grandmother who brought him to faith in Christ. Dad is not really mentioned there. So we don't really know what the issue was. But Paul comes and says, I was was Timothy's father. I was his spiritual dad. So regardless of whatever situation you find yourselves in as, as a man, this is an opportunity for me to challenge all of us to be spiritual dads to the next generation. That's why I love it when I, see, when I see men who are working in children's ministry or men who are working in the youth ministry or men who are working, you know, saying, you know what, I, let me help. Let me do something where I can pour into the next generation in some way. Because there was, a, there was guys in my life, men in my life, who took me out for, for a, a McDonald's or, or some type of little activity and spoke into my life as a young man. And part of the reason I'm even here today is because of men who you've never met, and maybe it was just a one-time quick little encouragement thing that they spoke into my life. And as a result of that, then I find myself... Where, and, and so never underestimate the power of who you are as a male and the influence you have in the life of someone else. And I want to show you the importance of dads. And I'm not minimizing the role of moms here. I mean, let's be honest. When was the last time you ever saw this big, burly biker with dad tattooed on his arm? 
right? It's always mom, right? I mean, you know, I mean, it, it, without, they're not even embarrassed about it. It's mom, <laughs> you know, uh, but dad would be kind of like, you're out of the gang. Anyway, but, but there was a survey taken. Watch this. Survey found that if mom attends regularly church and dad doesn't, if mom attends regularly, only 2% of the kids will attend church regularly. If dad attends church regularly, regardless of what mom does, whether she attends or not, up to 75% of the kids will attend church regularly. Dad, you have an incredible privilege and responsibility to shape the hearts of a generation that we have less and less need for foster care. I, 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 wish, that, I wish I wasn't in this ministry, honestly. I wish we didn't have this ministry. I wish that the families were intact and we had good homes. But until that happens, and then, then when we do, because we're so uh, blessed to have parents and families who will come and say, I'll be a foster parent, and they'll do it, and then that eliminates the next step where we find kids who get out of the system and are in sex trafficking or in prison or homeless or pregnant or whatever. But it all starts by building a fence back here with dads who say, you know what? Let's be, a, let's be a dad generation who changes the course of history, if not in the world, at least in our community, and let's make a difference in some way. And again, for the moms, let me, let me read this statement. It's up on the screens. Look at this. It says this, it is the mom, not the dad, whose love shapes the neurological circuits that will enable a child to form relationships for the rest of life. Research suggests that loving mothers actually help their babies develop bigger brains, more capable of learning, memorizing, and responding to stress. Watch this. In many ways, moms give their children the equipment they need to follow dad later on. In the Hebrew culture, when this was written, um, uh, Deuteronomy, typically what would happen in a family is, is that mom would take the kids up until about age 10 and nurture and help and teach and train. Why? For the purpose of then saying to the dad, okay, dad, now you take them and you work with them through all the issues they're going to have to learn as an adult. In other words, watch this. It was mom and dad working together to help shape the child in some way because, watch this, each of us, male or female, has a role to play in the next generation. And when we get these roles mixed up, things happen. But what I'm saying is, is that moms, dads, you each come together. We just celebrated Mom's Day in May. We celebrate Dad's Day in June today. Did you know that there's a Parents' Day in July? July 26th this year is Parents' Day. Probably never heard of it, and yet it's out there. And I'm saying, why aren't we selling Parents' Day? Why aren't we celebrating Parents' Day? Where we say, parents, thank you for working together because as a result of this, children are learning how to be better parents. Children, why? Because then their kids and their kids, like the song we sang, let's have the band come on up if you could, like the song we sang continues over and over and over again. And now at some point, maybe we don't even need this fence right here because dad stood up and said, you know what? I'll be that kind of a dad and make that kind of a difference to a generation. You know, George and Helen, here's how cool God is. Um... I was now 19 years of age, and my parents, uh, current dad was military, so my whole family was over in England, and I was going to school at University of Nebraska, and I was go to church in Omaha, so Lincoln and Omaha is about an hour drive, and so on the weekends, I would drive home, not home, but I would drive back to Omaha, and I would stay with a family 
um, to go to church on the weekends because I was the first one in my family to become a Christian. My parents and family are over in England. I was going back and forth on the weekends going to church, and I'm staying at this house with George and Helen. They got married. Now, the story I told you about the $5 bet, I didn't know that story until I was 19 years old. My mom always told me they were married and he just left. And I'm sitting out on the front steps with George one, one afternoon when George told me the $5 bet that he made with my dad. He'd been carrying that around for 19 years. And God, in his grace, for whatever reason, allowed me to hear that story. Do you know the chances, number one, that George and Helen would ever get married? Number two, that we would live in the same town at them as them 19 years later? Number three, I'd be staying at their house every weekend while I went to church. I mean, the chances of that. And he tells me the story of the $5 bet. Well, I'd never seen a picture of my dad. Don't know anything about him. You know, when you go to the doctor and they say, any history of, any history of? I go, I have no idea. And then he looks at me and he goes, and you look just like your father. Well, I've never seen a picture. So immediately I ran into the bathroom and I looked into the mirror. For the first time in my life, I saw a picture of my father. And it was at that point in my life that I realized just how good looking he really was. Not really sure why you're laughing now, but you know what? Guys, you look just like your father. You look just like your father. And he said, I want you to be my son, and I want you to pour into the next generation. I want you to teach your kids and your grandkids, whether they're your biological kids, whether you're spiritual kids, whatever they are, be like a Paul. Be like whoever. Just say, I'm going to adopt a bunch of kids because I don't want to see them falling off a cliff. Before we pray for the dads and for all the men, I want to just share this uh, book. that um, It's called The Promise Tree. We have some in the back here. Fully illustrated. It's a book about childlike faith. And it's, it's a true story based upon an actual tree on our campus that was damaged and they wanted to cut it down and an arborist came and said, you know what? We can save that tree. And it's a metaphor, if you will, of the children's lives on our campus. So it's about foster care kids on our campus is told through the life of a tree that was just about ready to lose its life. They're available. It's $20, and all the proceeds go towards the campus. So it doesn't go to an individual. It all goes back there. Love for, there's only a few. I'd love for you to have one. But let me pray. So I want this. I want all the men, all the men, stand if you would. If you're watching online, I want you to stand. If they don't stand, Mrs. So-and-so, nudge them and tell them to get up, even if they're in their robe. But all the men, stand. I want to pray for you. Ladies, if you would, just where you're at seated, just pray for these men all across the auditorium, those online. Father, thank you. Thank you for men who are willing to stand, not just physically, but Lord, men who are willing to stand spiritually, emotionally, mentally, in every way to help a generation. So I pray for these men. I ask your blessing upon them. I ask God that you equip them greater, greater ways. I ask that you help them to cultivate deeper love for you and for others. I ask you, God, as we all go through this thing called life, as we're all learning, as we're all growing, none of us are perfect. We've all made a million mistakes. 
But God, I'm asking you to help us cultivate a deeper love so that we can love you with all heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then we can teach that to our children. And Father, I thank you for that. And so, Lord, as we pray for these men, we pray that they would truly understand and recognize the impact that they make and that, Lord, we could walk in that in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.